where he says, I am the bread of heaven. Uh, it's a powerful statement for many reasons. It declares that he is fully God, fully man, and that there is no life apart from him. And we'll talk more about that as we, as we go through the service. Uh, also, it's a communion uh, service, and I would ask that for purposes of distractions, if, if you could, uh, I know, Doc, you could be on call, and you know others need phones, but if you could put the phones on vibrate, you know, so they don't ring during the service, that would be good. Um, because I really want us to, to come uh, along the communion table in a, in a worshipful way, okay? So, speaking of worship, uh, as we start to worship, I, I love this song by Rat, uh, Rat by Matt Redman. I, I twisted the letters there. Uh, no, by Matt Redman. And uh, Matt Redman is a, prof a prolific songwriter, singer, Christian music. Um, and he recognized sometimes that we make worship something it wasn't intended to be, uh, and that is we make it more performing than an act of worship. And so he wrote this song about it, and, and it's a sincere song. So if you're able to stand, would you join in? And to Chip, I'll hand it over to you. Morning, church. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Amen. So it, it's all about him, Jesus. Our God who came to earth to take on man's sin and wipe the slate clean of our sins. It's all about him. We owe everything to our Lord. We owe our existence before and after death to him. He paid a debt that we can never repay. So give him praise and song and everything that's in our hearts. Come and worship our Lord Jesus Christ. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart i'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you all about you jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it When it's all about you, all about you, Jesus King of endless worth, no one could express How much you deserve 
poem we can pour. All I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you, all about you, Jesus I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you, all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. Take a deep breath. Take another one. Let it out slowly. <laughs> and another. Too much. Huh. The, the air, the oxygen contained in it, enters your lungs, travels through your pulmonary artery. Is that right? Goes, in, goes into your veins. I, I knew I didn't have that right. <laughs> you got a whole version. It goes through your capillaries and feeds all of your organs. Right. It keeps us healthy and alive. We pray. We read the Bible. Pastor Lou instructs us and interprets for us. And the physiology is similar. The word enters our ears and eyes, it travels to our brain and clarifies everything that we see. It help us, helps us define everything that we do. The air we breathe and the word we digest both feed our soul and keep us healthy and alive. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence.
I'm desperate for you. This is the air I breathe This is the air I breathe Your holy presence Living in me This is my daily head away from Jesus as he became unrecognizable holding the sins of man the creative the creator and son of David hung on the cross in agony and announced that his trial was at an end Jesus died and the veil was torn his work on the cross complete he saved us and now it's up to us to see that his sacrifice was not in vain. Bring his message to others. Spread the word of his trial and agony. Enrich yourselves and others with the lessons that can only be learned at the foot of the cross. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood comes flowing down at the cross at the cross 
We're sin and shame are powerless. Where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness, where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you. found here on holy ground here I bow down here I bow down here arms open wide here you save my life here I bow down here I bow at the cross at the cross I surrender my life I'm in all of you garden we sing all praise to the king his wise countenance is certain from his throne on high he shares his love by and by and the world around us quickens his words I hear their meaning clear and the birds can't match their sweetness the song of sacrifice and pain from which we do gain surrendered in utmost meekness. Singing again we do not disdain, the message sang so tender, that love abounds on earthly grounds from spirit and flesh surrendered. In the garden we sing our praise to the King. He rules our hearts forever, so kneel to the cross, his virtue, his loss, his life we will always remember.
sisters the responsive reading Psalms 19 10 through 14 oh hmm? hello it's on I'll just eat it Psalm 19 10 through 14 alright they are more precious than gold than much pure gold they are sweeter than honey than honey from a honeycomb by them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. 
But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and redeemer. So the, the Lord decrees and his word, the Lord's decrees and his word are designed to keep us blameless and innocent if we only faithfully follow them. They are a guide to the living the way God wants us to live. From the Grace and Truth Study Bible. Two metaphors express the value and delight Christians experience in God's word. Pure gold and fresh honey. God's words also warn us of and guide us to a good outcome in this life and beyond. His truth exposes various kinds of sin, whether private or blatant. Those who heed the word become like the word, complete in maturity. From Charles Stanley for the last verse, There is absolutely nothing wrong with asking the Lord to make you pleasing to him. In fact, he loves to teach you his ways. He tenderly molds, molds your character so that you speak, think, and act in a way that honors him. Amen. Thank you, Chip. Psalm 19 is a great psalm. The first half of it talks about general revelation of God in nature, okay? And the last half talks about the value of his word. Uh, so if you get a chance, you know, read it later. Uh, it's, a, it's a real great psalm. Uh, those who are uh, helping with the um, offering, would you come forward, please? As they come forward, um, again, uh, you know, my heart was grieved this morning. Um, well, actually, last night I saw, I saw this on the news about the mass shooting again in, in Texas. I mean, it's horrible. Um, and Mary Lou thought she heard there was another one in Mississippi. But uh, it's, I mean, I think there's more so far this year than there's been in any other year. So we gotta really pray. I mean, this, this act of violence is so senseless and brutal and it's sinful. Uh, you know, there could be a lot of reasons for it, but the reasons don't matter. Uh, what matters is that there are, there are people who are no longer alive today because of that, and husbands and wives will uh, not come home, and uh, brothers, sisters, you know, there's, it was bad. So, um, at the risk of sounding uh, cliche-ish, why don't we pray for peace? All right, let's pray. Father, evil cause, causes so much strife, anger, hatred in this world. Father, it seems to be the theme of the day. And yet we know you're in control. My prayer, Father, is, is that you be with these people in Plano, Texas, Father, who 
uh, have lost loved ones, those who are injured. And Father, we still don't know why the shooter did what he did. But we're grateful for law enforcement who happened to be present on the scene dealing with something else. Otherwise, this could have been much worse. But Father, as we look at our country and we see the restlessness, the uh, anger, the short fuses, more than ever, Father, we need you. We need Jesus. Without Jesus and the word and the spirit, hearts will never be changed. So I pray, Father, for revival in this church and other churches, and I, I pray for spiritual awakening around this country. Father, it looks like evil prospers while people who do what's pleasing to you suffer. That's nothing new. And ultimately, we have to leave everything in your hands. And so, Father, be with this family today. Uh, be with those who lost loved ones. And, Father, as we wait upon you now for tithes and offerings, we ask we give with glad and voluntary hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible and you want to follow along, uh, we're in John chapter 6. Uh, the last uh, uh, section of this, verse 47 to, to 71. Um, what does it take to, to keep oneself in good physical shape? Exercise? Eating right? I'm sorry? And pray it well, yeah, that's spiritual, right? We'll get into that, but they do go hand in hand, Bonnie, right? Okay, um, now it takes work and discipline, isn't that right? Uh, how many homes have treadmills that aren't being used? That's right, for laundry, right? They're, they're being uh, used in that way. I mean, the intent was good, but it takes, it takes discipline and work. Isn't that true? Now, years ago in the mid-'70s when I was working up in Long Branch, uh, I, uh, I got acquainted with a local station that played oldies. You know I like oldies. Uh, and there was a disc jockey, Big Joe Henry. He's on 101.5 now. Some of Joe, you're laughing. He's he's uh, he's still going strong now. Big Joe was bigger one time. He's lost considerable amount of weight, but he still goes by the name Big Joe Henry. 
So he's on the air and he says he got a call from uh, his gym asking if, if uh, they wanted him to renew his contract for the next year. And he said, oh, of course, I'm a big believer in gyms. No problem. Let's renew it. Oh, by the way, can you send me directions to your gym? <laughs> he had a gym, but he didn't use it, right? And, you know, if you ever meet him, he's probably one of the most honest guys you ever want to meet. And uh, he's got a great sense of humor. But maintaining commitment and discipline for maintaining spiritual health is tough. Um, as we get older, it gets tougher. <laughs> is that true? You know, uh, the knees hurt, you know, the, the hips hurt, the back hurts. And, uh, but it still takes discipline. More importantly, we need to ask what it takes to maintain spiritual health. You can be the best fit person on the face of this earth, but if you're not spiritually healthy, you really have nothing. You really have nothing. Uh, this is the issue that Jesus addresses in this section, and we're going to look at it together and see what the Holy Spirit wants us to apply to our lives. Let me, let me just set the context for a minute. If you remember, uh, in the prior section, Jesus proclaimed that he was the bread from heaven, fully God, fully man, and that our physical bread is important for daily living. I mean, if you don't eat or drink, you're going to get sick and ultimately die, correct? But that's secondary, he would say, as important as that is, to knowing the bread of life. And he's going to address this today. Uh, he's starting to say some very unpopular things with the crowd that was following him. If you remember, the crowd was following him because they wanted more free lunches, right? Jesus fed the 5,000. <coughs> Actually, it was more like 10 or 12,000. And hey, free lunch, right? I don't have to work. And they were following around, and I hope this doesn't sound sacrilegious, but they wanted to see the next trick that he was going to do and feed them again, right? And Jesus knew this. The passage says Jesus knew their motives. What's a motive? Who can tell me what a motive is? Yeah, it's the reason why you do what you do, correct? And their motive was not to really follow him and embrace him. Their motive was to get a free lunch, okay? Now listen, there's nothing wrong with a free lunch. However, that's not what Jesus is all about. Is he concerned we eat? Absolutely. But he's more concerned about our hearts. And so in, in this passage, um, as we go into it, I want you to see how it develops. It starts in verse 47. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. So Jesus is presenting himself as the bread from heaven. 
And he's saying whoever believes that I'm the bread of life, that his father sent the son, the bread of life, to the world, whoever believes that, truly believes it, for the right reasons, <laughs> you start on the journey to eternal life. That's how important this is. So it starts there, right? When you see very truly, I tell you, some translators use um, amen, amen, I tell you. Uh, it's, look, you can't get more truth than this. This is the truth. The one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of heaven. Then he goes on to say, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. Do you remember that? After the exodus, right? Um, they were, the Jews, they were grumblers and complainers. They're like us, right? They're miraculously delivered out of slavery. That's the Passover, correct? They're delivered out of slavery. Um, they cross the Red Sea. They get to the other side, the Egyptian army is drowned after they cross. And right away, they start complaining to Moses. Moses, did you bring us out here to die? We're in the desert. What are we going to eat? What are we going to, you know, how are we going to sustain ourselves? And, and, and that cycle went on. Finally, I... Moses prayed. Moses was like the, the priest. Uh, you know, he interceded for the people and he prayed. And God said, okay, have the people go out every morning, collect the manna that falls from heaven. What's manna? Bread. All right? Collect the bread that falls from heaven. You'll have enough to eat for the day. By the way, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, the 23rd Psalm, where it says, give us this day our daily bread, I really think that's a reference to the, the manna because in the original language, uh, it, it says, give us enough for today. Enough bread for today. And, then, and the question comes up, what, what if God gives you more? Well, then share it with somebody who needs it, right? Um, but your, <coughs> your ancestors ate manna, and then they started complaining about that. They liked it at first. And then they went to Moses and they said, hey, Moses, look, can't we have meat? I mean, how many ways can you prepare manna, right? Manna parmesan, you know, uh, manna with garlic and oil, you know, manna, you know, with uh, who knows what. I mean, listen, we, we've all had times where we've eaten the same thing day after day. And I understand you can go, grow tired of it, but... They failed to see God's provision here. All they were interested in was their stomachs. And God graciously provided for that, but it didn't take long to complain. And Jesus makes the point that even though they had manna and they had enough for every day, they eventually died. Wow. This, I think, is the key verse 
But here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die. In other words, Jesus is kind of pointing at himself and saying, I'm the bread of heaven. I'm standing before you. You trust in me. You will never physically, I mean spiritually, die. Whoa. Anyone may eat and not die. But then it gets deeper. You can count in, in this chapter how many times he said, I am the bread of heaven or I'm the bread of life. Now he says, I am, and that's a proclamation of God himself, right? I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Uh, this bread is, is my flesh, which I will give for, your, for the life of the world. Now, bear in mind, he's talking to a, you know, a, a group of followers who are looking for, for free lunch. He's also talking to a group of uh, Pharisees who's spying on Jesus, wondering what, you know, uh, everything's going to do. And then he, he, he says some of this bizarre language. He's saying, whoever eats this bread, this bread is my flesh. <coughs> which I give for the life of the world. And the people started grumbling again and arguing and getting confused. You know, was, you're going to see that here. Let me go to, uh, for another verse. Then the Jews began to argue sharp, sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? <laughs> <coughs> You know, they were saying, well, is he saying that we have to take out the knives and forks and start carving, carving him up? That's the way they took it. That's the way they understood it. They were so blind to this. <laughs> they start arguing sharply. What does this mean? You know, we, uh, this, this ended up being one of the arguments uh, in the Reformation also. And uh, just a little bit of church history. Thank you, Tom. Just a little bit of church history. There's some difference, uh, differences in um, how different denominations view communion. Uh, in, the, in the Catholic Church, uh, they believe that the wafer, the bread, and the wine turn into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Um, there's uh, some Lutheran denominations and uh, other denominations that say, no, it doesn't really turn into the blood and the body, but the, his presence is around the elements somehow. And then you have, of course, the, the cut and dry Baptists who say, no, you know, the bread is a symbol and, and the cup is a symbol. The bread's a symbol of the body that was broken. How was his body broken? On the way to the cross and on the cross, correct? And the cup is a symbol of his blood that was shed to cleanse our sin. Now, we 
at least I'll answer for myself, I, I lean more that way, but I can't deny that when communion's taken with a right heart, and when we come in confession and repentance, that it is a special time of intimacy between ourselves and Jesus. And I think we've lost that somehow uh, along the way. So the Jews are now arguing, you know, they're taking Jesus literally saying, you know, we can't take his flesh, you know, what do you mean? He wants us to be cannibals. <laughs> and look, Jesus said to them, very truly, there's that phrase again, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of, my, of the Son of Man and drink the blood, you have no life in you. I want to go back for a moment to the Great Commission. In the Great Commission that Jesus gave before he ascended uh, to heaven is to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them what I taught you in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and the Holy Spirit and baptizing them, okay? And what Jesus was saying there is this, look, eternal life starts the moment you believe in the bread from heaven, Jesus himself. But that's just the beginning. Because in order for us to be spiritually healthy, we have to have a steady diet of Jesus. How do we get a steady diet of Jesus? Through his word, through prayer, through worship, daily. Listen, you know, <laughs> I pass by gyms uh, when I'm on the road uh, very early in the morning uh, many times. They're packed. They're packed. I'm sure there are people with gym memberships like Big Joe Henry, he was joking about, who never show up, but by and large, they're packed. Can you imagine if we took the things that we're passionate about and steered that same passion to spending time with Christ every day? Well, Pastor, I got to be at work at nine o'clock. Okay. Get up earlier. How long do you get for lunch? Well, I get a half hour. Okay. Can you spend it with Christ? Can you spend it with it taking in from Him? the living bread that we need to maintain spiritual health. Well, Pastor, you know, when I come home at night, I'm tired. Join the club. But when you come home at night, it seems like we all have energy to do what we want to get done. And have we spend any time with Christ? You see, I think Daniel had it right. And, and not to be legal, legalistic about it, but I think one of the keys to Daniel being a, uh, a godly man in the midst of a perverse culture 
is that he prayed three times a day. He prayed three times a day. Prayer, the word, the spirit, worship, all serve for us to maintain a spiritual, healthy diet. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no, no life in you. That's a dangerous place. That was the Pharisees. Jesus called them basically dead men walking. Religious dead men walking. They had no substance to them. I forgot to use the egg illustration. I actually had one here a couple of, day, a couple of weeks ago. And I was going to ask Tommy to, to play the bad guy here. Uh, and I, th I did this with him once before. Uh, if, you, if you hold the egg the right way between your two hands, there's no way you can crush it. And the reason for that is because of the substance inside the egg. If you were to drain that substance from the inside of the egg, you hold it the same way, you can crack it very easily. When we discipline ourselves to have a steady diet, of Christ, his word, worship, prayer. That gives us substance in our inner being. Because we're told to meditate, chew on the word, digest it, let it become a part of who we are. Do you ever hear the phrase, you are what you eat? Okay. Now listen, being Italian, I love garlic. Right, Janine? Right? She loves garlic too. Uh, now, there are days, I mean, I could eat garlic, like lots of it, but the next day, it comes out your pores. It really comes out your pores. I mean, it's good for you, too. It's good for blood pressure and, you know, other things, but it, it, it can come out your pores. And for, for me, that's a good illustration because when, when we fill our hearts, our minds, our inner being with Jesus, Ultimately, it's going to come from the inside out, out our pores, as we relate to others. If we don't spend time with Jesus and are disciplined with him, we got nothing to give anybody, except maybe platitudes or, you know, whatever. Well, pastor, it takes work. Yeah, it does. But what's more important? Make time. Martin Luther, the great reformer, had a secretary, and the uh, evening before the next day, secretary would have his agenda, and he says, you know, you're going to be busy every minute of the day. He says, uh, I know you want time for prayer, but you're not going to have any time for prayer. And Luther says, I'll just get up earlier. It was simple. I'll just get up earlier. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day, looking towards the second coming of Christ, correct? If you're his, well, on the last day, he's going to raise us up. 
For my flesh is the real food, and my blood is the real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Paul puts it this way. He says, listen, it's not enough just to go to worship on Sunday, although that's important. But he says this, in order for you to abide in Christ, you need to meet with him daily. You need to stay in his word daily. You need to be praying and worshiping daily. That's how important it is. When we choose not to do that, we become no better than people who get saved and never grow. Because true growth comes from the inside out. And that only with the food of Christ. Just as the living Father sent me, I, li I live because of the Father so that one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Well, why? Because Jesus conquered the grave. Right? He said this while teaching in a synagogue <laughs> in Capernaum. Now, the Pharisees had to be like red in the face because he was just really criticizing them. And then it goes on to say, many of the, uh, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept this? In other words, this is too much like work. You know, what's he talking about eating flesh? I'm out of here. He's not going to give us free lunch anymore. I'm out of here. <laughs> and I'm afraid that sometimes we treat God like that. Well, God, you didn't give me what I wanted, so I'm out of here. And, you know, most of the times what gets blamed for that is, uh, you know, people will say, well, you know, uh, the pastor's not feeding me. You know, the pastor's feeding you. Are you hungry for the bread from heaven? Or we try to make God like Santa Claus. Lord, I've, you know, I've been good. How come you're not giving me what I'm asking you for? Worse yet, we make God like Monty Hall. Right? Hey, God, let's make a deal. I'll, I'll come to church if you do this for me. And I can picture God saying, I'm not going to do a thing for you. If you're not coming to church to worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. So, the disciples desert Jesus. Aware that his disciples were grumbling, he said to them, now this is the 12. Uh, well, the 12, his own 12 plus the others. Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Heaven ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are filled of what? The spirit and life. He's saying, wait, you, you have to understand. 
Jesus is the living word. And everything he says is, is filled with the Holy Spirit and the life that only he can give. Yet there were some of you who do not believe. Now, Jesus used the ascension uh, to say, look, here's how bad your unbelief is. Even if you saw me go from this earth back up to heaven, you still wouldn't believe. People who follow Jesus just to see what they can get out of him will never be satisfied. Simply because of this. If God graciously answers that prayer, well, then that's not enough. Let's go for something else. And let's go for something else. And it's just not the way it was meant to be. For Jesus knew from the beginning which one of them would not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to the Father unless the Father has enabled them. We talked about that last week, that the Father calls people to Christ and people respond by faith. From this time, many of his disciples turned back, no longer followed him. I, I always think of Facebook, right? With Facebook, you put something on Facebook people don't like, They'll either come at you with, with uh, vulgarities and, you know, whatever they, they want to do, or they unfriend you, right? Many of the disciples unfriended Jesus at this point, and they went their own way. Now he looks at the 12 and he says, do you not want to leave too? Do you? Jesus asked the 12, what a question, right? Simon Peter answered. I'm not sure what Simon, you know, well, Peter, Peter sometimes has, has a habit of, of speaking without thinking. But here, he surprised me pleasantly. And I hope he surprises you. Here's how he answered. Lord, to whom shall we go? Your words have what? Eternal life. So for that moment, at least, Peter had his head on straight. And he realized who Jesus was. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus says, have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is the devil, meaning Judas. Right? So he knew there was going to be one that betrays him. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot who, uh, though one of the 12, was later uh, be, uh, to betray him. So, what, is, what does all this mean? You've heard me say this before, and listen, uh, th this grieves my heart, because we, even as a small church, we offer a lot of opportunities for you to, to come and we learn together, we grow together, we digest the word and, and start to, to bring it out. I mean, even for a small church, look at the opportunities. We have Sunday school. We have the worship service. We have prayer meeting. And those of you who've been in prayer meeting know that we look at a piece of scripture um, and kind of pick it apart and see how it applies to us. And then we go into prayer. 
Um, we have, with Tom's River Community Church, the, the Theological Roundtable. We have all of these things available. We have men's group studying the theology of heaven. I mean, all these things available. Why not take advantage of them and let's grow together so you can get into the habit of doing this even on your own time. Let me ask you another question. And it's kind of hypothetical, I know that, but let's say Jesus was expecting you at, um, uh, what's the restaurant on Lacey Road? Now the Captain's Inn, thank you. Jesus had set up a lunch date with you at Captain's Inn. And you failed to show up. That must grieve him. Because we do that every day with him sometimes, don't we? We fail to show up. We fail to be in his word. We fail to be in prayer. We fail to be in worship. And listen. The devil is the chief distractor. He wants to discourage you. He wants to keep you away from the word. He wants to keep you away from prayer. He wants you to be concerned with everything else that's going around, uh, on around you to get your sight off of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not stupid. <laughs> but he wants to destroy us. Sounds like he's doing a good job of it sometimes. One more restaurant metaphor. Think of the best restaurant you've ever been to. Good food, great atmosphere, right? You make reservations. Let's pick on Mother's Day or, okay, it doesn't have to be Mother's Day, but you make reservations. You go into this beautiful restaurant. You know the food is good. And out on the table comes this food that makes your mouth water. And you say, isn't that nice? And then you get up and leave. What good did the food do you? Not a thing. When we ignore Jesus and we're not constantly in the word worshiping letting the word change us from the inside out Jesus is the best meal we can have his word and a lot of times we just say looks good and we close it and we walk away I can't emphasize this enough. I think this is the greatest weakness of the American church today. I really think we, we've uh, clasped onto uh, uh, being entertained and not be willing to hear the hard things that Christ has to say. And some of these are hard. We've got to wrestle with them. All I know is this. Without a disciplined prayer life, without being disciplined 
to be in the Word devotionally and, and studying the Word without the discipline of worship, we will never be spiritually healthy. And as a pastor, I take that seriously. <laughs> because this is not about me. It's about equipping you and encouraging you to maintain spiritual health. We have a lot to think about as we come around the Lord's table. Um, as we come around the Lord's table, the instructions that the Lord gave to Paul in 1 Corinthians says, listen, coming to the table is a serious matter. It's a matter, it, it's, it's a table for sinners. Why, why do I say that? Nobody's perfect, right? It's a table for sinners, but it's the place where we come and we remember the sacrifice that Christ paid for me, for you, on the cross. And in doing that, we have to examine ourselves. We have to honestly come before God and ask God to reveal things in our own heart, our motives that are wrong, um, unconfessed sin that we need to repent of. It's a time of self-examination. And Paul says, you need to come in a worthy manner to the Lord's table. In Corinthians, where this is from, uh, the Corinth, the church of Corinth, some were abusing the Lord's table. They didn't come with the right motives. They were coming drunk. They were ignoring each other's needs. They were ignoring Christ. And Paul says this, because of this, some of you are sick and some of you have died. That tells me that Jesus takes his table that he instituted seriously. And we ought to also. So I'm going to ask those serving, would you come up? We'll give out the bread, and uh, please hold it, and we'll partake together. Bless you. Let's pray. Father, as the bread is given out, would you help us, Holy Spirit, to reflect in our hearts, to confess what needs to be confessed, to repent of it, and ask for help not to do it uh, again. Help us with it. Bring to the table our bad motives and, and leave them with you. But give us direction going forward. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'm going to read a different portion of Psalm 19 that uh, Chip kindly read to you before. Uh, this is verses uh, 7 uh, through 9. The law, or the word of the Lord, is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making, this, the, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. When Jesus instituted the uh, communion table at that last supper, he used the bread as an illustration. And I'm sure he had John 6 in mind, remembering that discourse that he had at that time. And he broke bread. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. He says, when you eat this, do this in remembrance of him. Would you partake, please? We'll pass out the cup and uh, hold it and we'll partake together. When Jesus took the uh, cup, one of the cups from the Passover, and he was going to pass it around, he says, this cup represents his blood, which was shed for you, shed for me on the cross. This blood ratified the new covenant that he makes with us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. And he says, when you drink this, do this in remembrance of him. Would you drink, please? We're going to... Oh, thank you, Tom. We're going to wait upon you now for the uh, benevolence offering. If you feel led to give, uh, that would be great. And then I'll ask our singers to come up for our closing hymn. 
I apologize for the length of the service today, but I thought it was important. So you'll get a treat next week. You'll be out on time, probably before time. Sir.
want to thank you for being here today. Uh, you're a blessing to me. I appreciate it. Thank you to the music people uh, and for putting up with my music. Okay. <laughs> uh, listen, my prayer is that we go forth healthy. I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. Because I believe we're going to be, we're going to need to be spiritually healthy as time goes on because the culture is not very friendly anymore to the things of Christ. As Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to come together. I pray your blessing on each one that is here. And Father, would you release us in the power of the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, give us the desire to spend time each and every day with Jesus, meaningful time, where we truly want to let the word speak to us, that we would meditate on it and make it a part of us so that it can change us from the inside out. And so, Father, dismiss us. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said? Amen. Hey, not bad. Have a great day.